This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Today is the day. Why is it so important? Because today ultimately is the day of salvation. It has to deal with man's relationship with God. It has to deal with those who don't believe in Jesus to be born again and accept Christ as Lord and personal Savior before they die. It's something that has to be done before death. Don't assume you're going to go to heaven by good works. That's one of the great deceptions. But today is the day of salvation. You've heard it before and you'll hear it again. Today is the day. It's a verse out of Psalms most of us are familiar with. But do we truly recognize the emphasis that is put on the word today? Pastor Eddie is going to be reminding us in his message that we are not promised tomorrow. Being alive and hearing me right now is a miracle within itself. We must stand firm and really dive head first into all that God has for us on this earth because our life here is just a glimpse of what is to come. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 3 as he begins his message, Warning Against Unbelief. turn to your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. Let us go before the Lord in prayer once again. Lord, we want to hear from you. There's so much going on and as far as this world is concerned. And Lord, we're filled with so much information. Many years ago, we you know, never was able to get into a computer and get information. Now we get all kinds of information. Lord, we don't put our trust in those things. Oh, we're grateful and Pray that we use those tools to glorify you. But Lord, we want to see it for ourselves in your word as we are here this morning, as we open up the Bible, your word, and study your word verse by verse and chapter by chapter. Lord, you've been with us, and Lord, we want to hear from you and you alone, Lord. So we don't want to hear from man. Lord, we want to hear from you, not from me, Lord. And so, Lord, we ask, Lord, as we now continue studying the book of Hebrews, Lord, we ask that you would... Open up our eyes that we may see for ourselves the word that we're studying. It's in the book. It's in the Bible. Open up our ears that we hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. And Lord, a mind to understand the message. And Lord, our hearts so we may apply what we've learned today. So speak to us, Lord, we ask. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The writer of Hebrews writes, and we're going to read from verses 7 through 19, verses 7 through 19, the second half of the chapter. The writer of the book of Hebrews writes this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. 
and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. But we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now, with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. The writer of Hebrews have already established thus far that Jesus is greater, better than the prophets. Jesus is greater, better than angels. In our last study, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, he continued to establish the fact, and once again, using scripture, using the Bible, that Jesus is greater, better than Moses. And though Moses' name is mentioned through the Bible 851 times, and though Moses was divinely called by God, he's the deliverer of Israel, he was a prophet, the writers of the first five books, and of the law, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is greater and better than Moses. This pretty much roughed up the feathers of many of the Jews because Moses was the great grand poobah. He was the kahuna. He was the big dog. No one was bigger than Moses. And again, he's writing to Jewish believers in that day, Jewish believers who found their faith in Jesus Christ because Jesus fulfilled over 300 Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, the Tanakh. And they believed and they put their faith in Christ. And because they put their faith in Christ, they suffered much persecution. And so many of them were now going back to Judaism and the rituals. The things were a shadow of the true thing to come. And so hearing that Moses, someone is greater than Moses, it's unheard of. So he goes on and he went to say in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 3, he says, Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one, speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. It was Christ who called Moses in the burning bush. Christ was the I am. When Moses asked, who should I say is sending me to Israel? I am. It was Jesus who sent him. It was Jesus who spoke to him. It was when he wrote the first five books, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It all pointed to it and spoke of Jesus. So Jesus is greater than Moses. Now that brings us to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 19. If you remember a few studies ago, we looked at chapter 2, verses 1 and 4. In chapter 2, verses 1 and 4, the writer of the book of Hebrew gives us 
the first warning. The first warning of a series of five warnings in his book, Hebrews. There are five warnings in the book of Hebrews. We looked at the first one in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This morning, we're going to look at the second warning. The first warning in chapter 2 was the warning of drifting away. Drifting away. There is a danger in drifting away. The second warning is the warning against unbelief unbelief. And for those of you who are taking notes, in verses 1 through 7, in one, verses 1 through 7, we're going to look at Israel's unbelief while they're in the wilderness. Israel's unbelief. He's going to go back to the Tanakh or the Old Testament and, and, and recall a story of the time when Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. Why? We'll look later on. We'll see that. Just for you note takers, in verses 7 through 11 of Hebrews chapter 3, he is quoting the author is quoting Psalms 95, verses 7 through 11. So 7 through 11 of chapter 3 is actually coming from Psalms 95, verses 7 through 11. I don't know. Again, the, the Bible, the Word of God is inspired by God, but the chapter and verse breaks are not, but it so happens that it happened to be a 7-11. So think of 7-11, not the store. <laughs> think of 7-11 in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, and 7-11, 95 of Psalms. And in verses 12 to 19, we're going to see the warning against unbelief. It's going to give us the application. And so we read the text. Let us now look at the text verse by verse. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. The writer of Hebrew writes this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, the Holy Spirit, it is not the author of the book. It's a reason why he's, he didn't list his name there. There's a reason why he doesn't even quote the psalmist who he's quoting from in 95 verses 7 through 11. It isn't about the author. It is not about the psalmist who wrote the psalm. It is the Holy Spirit. So the author of the, of the writer of Hebrews, he identifies the Holy Spirit as the speaker who he's quoting from in Psalms 95 verses 7 through 11. The Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, it is God speaking. The whole word of God is God speaking. And when God speaks, we should be swift to hear, obey, and follow. Today, if you will hear his voice. The word today is mentioned three times in our text. And our next study is mentioned once more in chapter 4. But today, so what's the important? What's, what's so important about today? What's the urgency? This is a warning. This is the second warning of a series of five. What's the urgency about today? Well, because we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We have an idea that tomorrow we go back to work. Sorry, didn't want to bring that up. Students, you got to go to school. Sorry, I didn't want to bring that up. We don't know. That's the plan. But I remember looking back, even I remember going to work on 9-11. I had no idea that our nation was going to be attacked by terrorists. I had no idea that I was going to have some of my coworkers perish on that day. I had no idea. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We have no idea what tomorrow would bring. But today, today is important. Tomorrow's another day is going to be important should the Lord tarry, you know? God willing. Today is a day. Why is it so important? Because today ultimately is the day of salvation. It has to deal with man's relationship with God. It has to deal with those who don't believe in Jesus to be born again and accept Christ as Lord and personal Savior before they die. It's something that has to be done before death. Don't assume you're going to go to heaven by good works. 
That's one of the great deceptions. But today is the day of salvation. Today is important. As the Holy Spirit speaks, today is important. Today is the day of salvation. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. He wrote this. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. If one wants to have salvation in Jesus Christ, today is the day. If one wants to be right, be born again, save, have eternal life in Christ, today is the day of salvation. Come before the Lord. There's a time we need to come before the Lord. And once you believe, repent of your sins, come before Christ and be born again. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Today is the urgency, the urgency for today. This is a warning. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. James chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It goes like this. Time flies. It goes like this. So we don't know what will happen tomorrow. You probably heard this before. We don't know what Tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow, and that's God. He holds eternity, but no one can guarantee you tomorrow. No one can guarantee you Tuesday, Wednesday, or any day of the week. Today is important. So he says, therefore, verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, and here it is, hear his voice, today, here's the warning, verse 8, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. This is a command. And he's speaking to believers, particularly the first readers of Hebrew were Jewish believers. Do not harden your heart. Here's the warning. The warning here is against hardening your heart, and that is through willful disobedience. Continuing to disobey God, disobey his word, disobey the things that offend him as far as sin, continue on. Disobedience. Do not harden your heart, verse 8. And he goes on to say, as in the rebellion. The definite article, the, 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 before rebellion points to a specific reference to a time the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And this is where he goes in. He's going to remind the Jewish believers in Christ about a time when their fathers or their family, the generations before them, were in the wilderness. Verse 8, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, verse 9, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years So the writer alludes to the time back. He's pointing to the time found in the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. Chapter 13 and 14, the book of Numbers. After the children of Israel had been set free from the bondage of Egypt for 430 years, they ended up to travel to the promised land. They were about roughly two weeks in. They made it to the border of the promised land, the land God promised to them. It tells us in the story in the book of Numbers chapter 12 and 13 that they send out, when they made it to the border, they send out 12 spies to spy out the land. And so they went 
And then they came back with a report, the 12 spies. 10 of the 12 said, wow, my interpretation, I'm going to paraphrase here. Wow, the place is awesome. The grass is greener on the other side. It's a place, the land is filled with milk and honey. It's beautiful. You should see the grapes. You should see the trees, how luscious. It's a beautiful land. Boy, the land God picked for us is beautiful. But there's a problem. There are giants there. They're, we're like grasshoppers to them. We can't take that land. They had a good report about the land, but unbelief. With the exception of Joshua and Caleb. Now, Caleb had to simmer down the crowd because the crowd, all of a sudden, you're thinking about 10 people with a negative report. Guess how many people they infected with their unbelief? Almost two and a half million Moses led almost two and a half million people out of Egypt and took only 10 people. Their negative unbelief had filtered into the people of Israel. Think about that. That's all it takes. And then they're saying, wow, beautiful. Oh, the crowd is like going, oh, their mouth is watery. You know, the grapes are that large. But then we said, but we got a problem. They said, oh, they started crying and said, we should go back to Egypt. Moses, why did you deliver us out here? They wanted to go back to the world. Egypt is a symbol of the world. They wanted to go back to slavery, which is bondage to them was bondage to slavery. For us, it's a picture of bondage of sin. They wanted to go back. So the crowd is like, oh, lions, tigers, and bear. Oh, my, lions, tigers, and bear. And they're like, we can't. The, the, the big giants, we can't. But it took Caleb who said, who calmed them down. Caleb was the only one that said, let us go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Didn't care about the giants. And you see, only one. The Lord said in Numbers chapter 14, verses 22 to 24, it says, because all these men, speaking of the spies, who have seen my glory and signs, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness. They saw everything. They're doubting. They saw the ten plagues that set them free from Egypt. They saw the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They were given water in the desert. They saw the sea, the part where they walked right through. They saw the glory and power of God. And here they have unbelief. He said, who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt in the wilderness and have put me to the test. Now these ten times and have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land. That's the punishment. Of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who reject me see it. Unbelief, reject God. They will not see the promised land. Verse 24, but who's going to see the promised land? My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. God is faithful. Two and a half million people may be unfaithful to God and may not make it to the promised land. But if it takes one, God will bring that one. Same thing when you look at Lot. 
Remember, Abraham said, Lord, uh, I know you're going to bring, you're going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. If they're like 50 people, oh, 50 people, I won't destroy it. Lord, if there's 40 people, 40 people, I won't destroy it. Do I hear 30? Do I hear 20? But God had to deliver them out. Angel had to take them by the hand and God brought judgment. But we see here the children of Israel did not make it to the promised land. And thus they had to wander in the desert for 40 years. Their hearts were hardened. They saw miracles after miracles after miracles after miracles. They saw the mind. They saw the supernatural. They saw things that even today scientists cannot understand or can't explain. All they're going to say is a story. But you see, it's true even today. How many people, or you probably heard this before, where people say, you know what? I'll believe in God. If he shows me something supernatural or he brings down a miracle, I'll believe in God. The reality is, it's not true. Because you see the nation of Israel actually proved that point. They continued on. They disobeyed God. They had unbelief and they saw everything. They saw the hand of God. You heard me say this before. To the unbeliever, no miracle is sufficient. To the believer, no miracle is necessary. I don't look for miracles. Can God do miracles? Absolutely. Is he still doing miracles? Absolutely. He could do whatever he wants. He's God. He's sovereign. And I've seen, I witnessed it, but I don't need it to believe God. And you can see that. Is living proof that no matter how many miracles God can show to man or give to man, man would not believe. You remember in Luke chapter 16, when Jesus gave the story. Some people call it a parable, but it has two names in there, so it's probably a story. The parable of Lazarus and the rich man. You remember when the rich man and Lazarus died? The rich man was in Hades and the Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom in paradise. And there was a gulf. Jesus is giving the story. There was a gulf between Hades and the uh, paradise, Abraham's bosom. And the rich man saw Abraham from afar and says, Abraham, please, if you could send me back, I want to warn my brothers about this place. It's dark. What did Abraham say to him according to Jesus If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one raised from the dead. Case in point, who rose from the grave? Jesus Christ. And even in times of Christ, even after his resurrection, still many did not believe. Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? Pastor Eddie has been making his way through the book of Hebrews in a series, Jesus is Better. We're learning some great truths about Jesus coming to be all that the Old Testament had talked about. The strength of God's Word and how it's fulfilled is something mighty to ponder. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We pray that God's Word has been a discerner of your heart today. We're so glad you joined us for Running the Race. Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. 
If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you in the book of Hebrews, so make sure you come back to hear more next time, here on Running the Race.